Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find today's tennis discussions. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis lessons and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey, and our mentors might provide the roadmap for your journey. For the last five-plus years, I have been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you will hear on our Thursday's broadcast? Well, the almighty willing, at least once a month, you will continue hearing either Dr. Alan Fox or Coach Chuck Reese. Matter of fact, Dr. Fox will be our mentor on today's broadcast. Other mentors sharing knowledge on Thursdays have been coaches like Ashley Hobson, Bobby Payless, the Notre Dame coach, Dr. Bryce Young, Ed Crash, Johnny Angel, Nick Saviano, Scott Williams, energy coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Besides these coaches sharing their knowledge, you may also hear other college or high school tennis coaches or on occasions, USTA, PTR, USPTA heads, as well as leaders from the other racket sports and tennis organizations. Because I do believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each week you will hear my biased views on North American tennis and life. I would like to thank Yellow Ball CEO J.P. Weber for hosting the program and on our network. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen anytime you like to any of the programming of the Yellow Ball Network. Besides our Thursday conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously stated, if you disagree or want to comment, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida Tennis or hear them on a future broadcast of Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings. By the way, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop or you're not a subscriber, you can always read the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. And, of course, in between issues, if you go to FL Tennis on Facebook, that's Florida Tennis, FL Tennis on Facebook, You can read some of Jim March's uh, commentaries, my own and the other writers, because we do try to keep you abreast of what's going on in between issues of the magazine. Well, today is April 2nd, and before our uh, guest, Dr. Uh, Alan Fox, joins us, I will give you my commentary for today, and it's just simply... Our tennis organizations have stepped up. Is it enough? 
There's always something, seems like in today's society, it is uh, never enough, but I think they've really stepped up now. And uh, here's my comment about it. During these troubling and uncertain times, when, when many are asking what to do, when will I be able to go back to work, when will sports return, what will I do with all the time I have, and most importantly, when will we return to normal? I know some of you are tired of me talking about the value of time, but I think this is a good time to thank our tennis organization for exhibiting positive leadership during the COVID-19 crisis. During last week's Coach Denise Exploring Tennis broadcast, you heard Coach Johnny Angel and I discuss the quick action of USTA Florida section shutting down tennis until May. And, of course, we both did that. We also discussed the other ten tennis organizations stepping up to the plate and using social media to share some of the tools needed to keep tennis enthusiasts informed. Now, we were not all complimentary about the USTA or other organizations, but when credit is due and deserved, it really should be given. And I think it, it is deserved right now, and it should be given. Those of you reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine know that I am not an advocate of top-down development of policy, but these are special times. And while I have stated in more than one of my articles that I recommended the USTA would be using its sections as a testing ground and letting them start with programs rather than dictating policy from top-down, a position I always had, even when I was on the USTA Florida Board of Directors, uh, and it's something that I was glad to see, well, selfishly, my own bias, my own state, uh, the USTA Florida section step up and uh, do, and then seeing the other uh, USTA sections follow suit. And I should say the PTR and other, the ITF, and all the other organizations, I think everybody has stepped up and trying to uh, do their share right now. And now that we all have time on our hands, I think I should recommend that we use some of that time to thank those tennis organizations you belong to. And maybe after doing that, make a recommendation you think might grow our game. I know I have a few thoughts, but more important is sharing what you think. Being that I also have little more time on my hands, the almighty willing, instead of doing just two broadcasts a month from now to June, I will do a weekly broadcast on the Yellow Ball Network if I have listeners out there that do want to share a topic or something that they think would grow the game. If it's positive or negative, uh, it doesn't make a difference. I, I just ask that uh, you uh, be ready to support your um, ideas. 
I would remind all of you that the reason that I have been on doing this broadcast for about five years now is not because people want to listen to an older coach with a raspy voice. It's because they enjoy listening to our mentors who share useful information. So if you think that's something you'd like to do is discuss something that you have a pro position or a negative position on uh, and you would like to be on the broadcast, contact me at Coach Denise. That's D-A-N-I-S-E dot H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Uh, it's your advantage. I just remind you that we could have a respectful conversation, and we should be able to talk to each other. And um, I, I think that uh, it's a lot easier uh, when uh, to get your point across uh, if you have other evidence to back up your view. And uh, whatever, we will get into discussion if you want to. Uh, I do. I, I'm looking now at the computer, and I'm not a computer person, so that always scares me when I have to look at this. But I do uh, I see a couple of people... Uh, calling in now, and I will remind you that I do not take uh, phone calls during uh, our broadcast unless I know who they are and they're part of the discussion. So uh, I, I thank you for listening, but uh, please uh, uh, contact me at coachdenise.fhstca uh, at net. I couldn't help on uh, looking at these uh, while we're waiting for Dr. Ellen Fox uh, to come aboard. Um, some of the things that people have been putting on our social media, and uh, I, I had to check my ego because I've seen so many of these things that we were some of the first to introduce them to, uh, things that you can do at times like this when we have to, uh, you know, stay inside or we can't be in the crowd or we can't coach on the tennis courts. But, uh, for instance, the Billie Jean King eye coach, uh, very important to uh, my wife and I have it out by our pool and we go out there just to keep uh, refreshing, doing things. We've tried our walk-in. Uh, we can't go to the gym because the gyms are uh, closed. So uh, a good tool. Uh, uh, the, the thing of the uh, dart fish, when that first came out, and uh, most of us that went through the high-performance coaches uh, used that. And uh, matter of fact, it was something that helped get uh, one of my uh, grandsons uh, a college scholarship in baseball. So useful tool. And, of course, now you have the play site, which uh, – I think in one of the Florida tennis magazines about three years ago, I said I've seen the future, and the future is now uh, uh, useful too. And, of course, uh, I've already ordered and received my Wilson uh, tennis balls uh, from Wilson, so I'm ready when we do get back on the court to go out there and uh, with new tennis balls in there. 
And those of you who are thinking of Wilson, I think about our all-star event when I was uh, had the Florida uh, High School Tennis Coaches Association and used to do the training for the state of Florida. Um, and uh, Wilson graciously provided so much for us, provided the balls for our all-star tournament. And uh, people like Team Connection, which provided uniforms uh, for uh, uh, those events. These are people that you should be remembering now. And Flagler Insurance, um, I'm not sure about the rest of the country, but I know they're all over Florida. And those of you um, that are in Florida really should be uh, thinking about uh, uh, using uh, them for your insurance needs because they were – supporting us all the time and life is about giving uh, back uh, and uh, it's something that we have to do now thinking of the volunteers uh, that we have with USTA Florida and uh, uh, I love the way we're sitting there promoting uh, those volunteers because that's the key this is how tennis grew it was grew from the ground up not from the top down and that's important. And uh, I, I do see the USTA Florida section reminding everybody that grants are still available. Uh, years ago, I turned in, um, applied for one of those uh, grants uh, when we had uh, 19 sections in Florida, and I was the director of one of them. Uh, truthfully, I didn't find. Uh, uh, the grant was for the research on 501c3s, and for many reasons at that time, I uh, did, did, I spent that money using it to investigate it and uh, found that uh, it wasn't uh, needed at that time. Later on, I don't know how many years later, I actually uh, used that information I received from that grant to get uh, uh, FHSTCA to make that a 501C, uh, not-for-profit organization. So you never know when you're going to need those. I think I see Dr. Fox on now. Let me see. Alan, are you there? Yep, I'm here, John. Uh, Well, thank you for being here. I, I will, before I have you, I see a few other people on. I, uh, like I said earlier, I appreciate you listening, but I do not take calls during the broadcast unless I know who they are and they're part of uh, the discussion I have. So if you're interested in being on the discussion later on, just email me. Uh, before I tell these people to hang up, <laughs> doctor, do you have it? Anybody, Alan, that you uh, want on to talk to you before I... Not really. Not really? Just you, John. Okay. I just don't want to start exiting people out and, uh, you know, then you want them on. So how's everything going with you, Alan? Well, uh, we're pretty much sequestered in our in our house. We do go out and hit tennis balls, actually. And that's about uh-huh. it. That and occasionally uh, stop by market, stock up on some food. You know, it's a weird time. Uh, yeah. Oddly, uh, they've padlocked a number of the courts closed 
uh, here in San Luis Obispo. Not all, uh, but some. So kind of strange. I don't, I don't particularly see why it's uh, dangerous to your health to play tennis. Not very close to anybody, but so be it. I think Los no, Angeles I, I, is really uh, shut down. Yeah, it's happening all over. Uh, we, uh, I haven't been out on the tennis court for a couple of reasons. Number one, Florida, we shut down with it. And, uh, number two, I'm on the recreation board and uh, our uh, community where we live, so it wouldn't look good for me uh, being out there. Uh, but I had talked earlier, I don't know if you heard, I was complimenting the USTA and some of the organizations for promoting things that uh, you can do uh, without being on a tennis court. And Bobby and I do have our Billy uh, Jean King uh, I coach out by the pool area, and we do go out there uh, and uh, hit the ball. So uh, you have to do what you can, that's all. Yeah, you mean to try to get a bit of exercise? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, catching up on a lot of old TV movies that I haven't seen for a while, so it's not, it's not all bad in, in that no. respect. You know, I don't need guilt for laying around, you know, watching shows and stuff. Kind of doesn't last too long. It will be not too unpleasant. Yeah, we get out for our early morning walks because uh, we we've been heating up. Although today was a beautiful day, just about eighty. But uh, last week we've been in the nineties here in Florida, eighty-eight, ninety, ninety-one. So getting to be a little wimpy as I get older. So I like to get out early. Well, you you sound smart, John. You know, watch out at, at at your age. You got to be careful a little. Anyway, yeah. uh, we were going to talk some tennis today, weren't we? I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm afraid that. not many people are, are interested in, in, in my TV movies or being sequestered or whether the courts are locked up or they aren't around here. Uh, <laughs> so. But they are going to be getting back on the tennis court pretty soon, and most of them are going to wonder, you know, what's going wrong? Why am I not winning this match, and, you know. Well, uh, a lot of people are going to be out of shape. They, they, they won't have played for a while, so they'll have to uh, accept being a little below par for a while when they get back. But right. anyway, I think I'm not telling anybody something they don't know. Everybody knows you don't play in practice. You obviously get worse at first. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, I, I had written you a topic or two of which I don't recall what I, actually it was. So hopefully you're a step ahead of me. Yeah, I think there was two of them that, uh, let me uh, pull up here, that uh, that I thought either one of them uh, uh, was good. One is... Uh, but you, you start the match and you start out play, the match playing very badly and you fall behind, which was good. And the other one was how to play poor uh, percentage tennis and understanding that the game uh, that the game is a game and your priority. John, 
Did you just yes. disappear? Oh, you, no, you, you didn't there? hear me? Oh, you didn't yeah, hear me? Well, I, I, heard, I heard the two uh, topics, and then there was sort of a crunching sound, and then it sounded like you disappeared for a second or two. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to give the professor the time to give a class to all of us, which we're surely going to need. Well, anyway, uh, I guess we, we could discuss them both briefly. I mean, right. the, the first one, which is, you know, unfortunately common uh, in tennis, is sometimes you get out there and you, you're playing below par and you fall behind. And so the question is what what to do about such a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the first thing on the list, if you're behind, it's kind of obvious actually, but you have to ask yourself, how are you losing the points? You know, a lot of people they go out and play, and it's not going well, and and they get frustrated and upset and or discouraged, whatever. I mean, I, I suppose above all, it pays to keep your wits about you when you're on the tennis court and not not get uh, thrown off by the score mentally. So the obvious thing is you ask yourself, how is it that I'm losing the points? Because there's only two ways you can lose points, really. I mean, one way is you're making too many errors, and the other way is your opponent is uh, hitting too many winners or forcing you into errors. So you'd have to know which it is because the response, you, you, you do want to make adjustments, but the response is going to be different depending on how it is you're losing points. If you're losing points because you're making too many errors, then the obvious uh, response to that is put a little extra air under the ball and stay a little farther away from the lines and, and, and keep the ball in the court more. Don't try to do so much. And then you see what your opponent does about it because you may find out that you don't need to take very high risk. Uh, you know, your opponent may not be able to do anything about it. So you, you, you just keep the ball in the court more and see what happens. If, if, on the other hand, the opponent is hurting you too much, or hitting winners, then you have to step up the game a bit and, and, and uh, take a little bit more risk yourself so that your opponent doesn't have a chance to set up so well. I mean, if, if you uh, allow opponent, uh, an opponent uh, to sort of stand and hit or get the ball in his or her strike zone, you know, they're, they're more liable to hurt you. And so if they are hurting you, you try to, you know, push them around more and get them off balance a little bit so the ball's not in their strike zone. So they can't do that. Now, there's all kinds of variations in between, uh, but those are the two strategic sorts of uh, adjustments you make. I mean, obviously the other the other thing that that you want to do is not to get rattled about it because you can think to yourself, 
how how many times, and it's happened to all of us, how many times you've been ahead, started out playing very well, or your opponent's been missing, you're ahead 4-1, 5-2, and the next thing you know, you, you, you know, you, you've lost your edge a little bit, and, and the opponent starts to come back. So when you're, when you're on the bottom side of that, of that issue, uh, you want to remember what, 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 what can happen uh, if, you, if you were on the top side of it. You know, that, that, that gives you hope, you know. Uh, and, and one more little uh, sort of approach or things to keep in mind if things have been going badly is if you can keep your game together uh, and, and just stop the momentum against you. That's what the first two strategic uh, adjustments were meant to do is just to stop uh, momentum from rolling against you. Try, even if you're not catching up, you, you, you try to stop, stop the sort of parade against you. Once, if you've done that, then the pressure is going to be on your opponent to finish you. Okay, maybe you start off behind, but things change if you're behind 4-1 or 3-0 or whatever, 5-2. Once your opponent has a chance to win the set, now the pressure is on the opponent to finish you. That's when people get nervous. And so the time that you want to hold yourself together, uh, you know, more strongly. And, and, and also, no matter what's been happening, uh, however you got to the point where your opponent is, say, serving for the set at 5-2 or 5-4, whatever, I mean, that, that's the time that you dig in and you try to play a little more consistently. I mean, that doesn't mean if you get, you know, one of your favorite shots, you don't knock off a winner if you can. But basically in the back of your mind, you, you realize the opponent's under a bit of pressure now. And so you, you, you want to keep them on the hot seat, make them, make them beat you, you know, by right. not making uh, foolish errors yourself. So you, you, force, you force them to try to squeeze out the set or the match or whatever the situation is that they're ahead you're behind Does that make sense i guess it makes sort of. a lot of sense i, I think some uh, time this is i think this is a great opportunity to you know i mean the heck of a way to get into it but the time off sometimes we need to remind ourselves of these things or actually we need to be reminded of that uh uh, and sometimes it's too too easy. I think, especially if you're going back to tennis and you're anxious to get back into a match, and then it's easy to just fall apart. Uh, I, I I think that's why I enjoy talking with you because these reminders are just. Uh, I think back I don't know how many years ago when my son used to write an article that I wrote for him for a local paper for the Pearl Beach Press. And I used to, I'd give them don't the article. I just had to jump in and say, we, we, do, we don't want to let out family secrets here. If your son's getting credit, <laughs> you know, I want to take that well, away at this point. Uh, well, he was, uh, you know, I owe so much. 
uh, to him, really. But uh, I, I used to uh, sit there and I'd give him the uh, article and I would say, this is what you're going to say this week. And uh, for a while there, some people would say, but, you know, he'd go, but Dad, everybody knows that. And I'd say, no, you and I know that, but everybody doesn't know. And then as he really, on the court, people would come there and say, John, I like that point you made, you know. I didn't think of that, but that's an excellent point. And then after a while, I think he realized everybody doesn't know what you know. You've been through that there. So uh, go ahead. I just uh, I couldn't help but thinking when you, you say does that make sense. Yeah, it makes sense to us, but I think we, uh, you need a reminder. And uh, and I'm sure when I get on the, back on the court, I'm going to need a reminder. Yeah, and, and one of the little troubles with, with uh, these reminders they they are reasonable, but mm-hmm. what what tends to happen to people is is they may know lots of stuff when they're sitting in their in their living room, uh, <laughs> and, and they're not playing. It's all very simple, you know. Don't get excited. Don't get discouraged. Don't get angry. <laughs> all those things. Then they get on the court, and it's a different story. All. all all that simple stuff that they really know is out the window and the emotions take over. And so uh, if there's, if there's anything uh, to uh, consider a totally general, uh, general rule would be, you know, don't let your emotions get out of whack in a tennis match. Keep yourself under control because tennis is inherently an emotional game. That's that's one of the things that makes it so difficult, uh, especially singles matches. You know, it 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 is uh, a symbolic fight actually, and and a lot of the emotions that come up in a fight come up in tennis matches, and, and mm-hmm. it, it's quite natural, and and everybody has has a lot of these issues, and. Of course, if you do what's natural in a tennis match, you're probably going to lose. Okay, the the great players are not natural. They don't do what's normal and natural. I mean, what's normal and natural is when you miss an easy shot on a big point to get angry about it or to get frustrated <laughs> when you're playing poorly. I mean, that's natural. That's normal. And, of course, if you do what's normal and natural, you get beaten. So... That's one of the things that, that these outstanding professionals do that's so admirable is they, don't be, they, they overpower these natural emotional impulses. They're, they're very good at keeping control of themselves when things are going wrong. And you, you, you watch them and you don't, you don't see the emotion that, uh, that's being controlled under the surface. You know, they're walking around hitting tennis balls, but it's, it's a battle with emotion in, in a match. And, and the great players, they win that battle. And most people, they, uh, their emotions tend to uh, follow what's happening on the court. They're playing badly, they feel bad. They're playing well, they feel good, you know. The great players, they make themselves feel good when they're playing badly, which is tough trick. But, that, you know, once you realize 
that your game tends to follow your emotions, then you realize you have to control the emotion or the game's going to control you, which, of course, you don't want. Uh, now, I had one more thought for when you're behind uh, that, that can be motivating somewhat, which I used to say to myself when I got behind back in, 100 years ago in the day. But, but uh, for instance, it was all serve and volley back in my day. All of us were attacking players at the net. Uh, and so when I, when I got down a service break, uh, in a sense, I, I, I didn't like it. I mean, I'd prefer to be up a service break. But when I was down a service break, the pressure was kind of off of me. You know, when you're behind, there's not a lot of pressure on you. You're, you're fighting discouragement when you're behind. You're trying to keep yourself motivated and feeling good. Uh, your opponent, meanwhile, uh, is, is, is facing pressure. Okay, the person, for whatever, we could have another discussion on that, but the person ahead trying to finish is the one that tends to feel the pressure the most. And so uh, you want to you, you stay in there and, and let the pressure, uh, you know, eat your opponent up. Break, break your opponent down. Uh, anyway, when I, when I would get down a service break, uh, I, I found it easier to hold my own serve at that point. You know, I'd be behind, but, and I'd be holding serve easier now because I'm, I'm somewhat relaxed. I'm not under pressure, uh, but my opponent is. And I sort of looked at it like, like in a race, uh, these race car drivers, in the race, they do what uh, I think you call it slipstreaming, where they get behind the car in front of them, and, and the mm-hmm. car in front of them sort of creates a, 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 a slight vacuum. And so it's easier on your car to drive behind the guy in front of you while he breaks, while, you know, he breaks through the atmosphere, and, and your car can kind of coast a little bit behind him. It's a little easier on your car. And, and, I used to feel the same way about a tennis match. It was a little easier for me to hold serve, and meanwhile, my opponent was having to struggle to try to keep that lead, not to let me catch up. And so I, I always felt in the back of my mind, if towards the end of the set, if he got a little nervous, you know, and, and I was able to break back late in the set, I actually had the edge. I felt it was a positive to me because he, he used up a lot of his mental energy trying to hold serve and maintain his lead while I sort of slipstreamed along behind him holding serve and not, not using up a lot of mental energy. And so it, all of it, when, when you boil down the mental stuff, uh, is to break your opponent down mentally, to tire them out so that they get tired of concentrating and, and, and get tired of fighting. Okay, the more they're under pressure and the longer, the more likely they are to, to, to break down somewhere, to lose concentration. Uh, and so being behind has that slight advantage. Although, again, I'd rather be ahead, but the, those are thoughts that you can have when you're behind that can keep you in there, which is 
of course, what you want. You want to stay, stay close. As they say, as these announcers say, you keep a bit of scoreboard pressure on the opponent by just sort of hanging close, even if you're behind, and then maybe you jump them towards the end. So that was that thought. I don't know if you, if you have any questions about it. Not so much about the thought. I think that's a good thought. But I do, I do have a question, and I think uh, uh, and it's, uh, it is a personal one in a way. I, I think, you know, when people think of Alan Fox, or at least I, when I do, I I think of, you know, it seems like a simple question, uh, but, uh, you know, I think if I'm the better player, why can't I win or think to win or, you know, tennis, uh, the mental match. But, yet, when, uh, you know, and I'm thinking about if I'm at Wilmington, well, if I was at Wilmington like you were in a quarterfinal, I would never do that and I would fall apart. But you sitting there playing, and you think about, uh, you know, to me, it was your uh, psychology uh, degree and everything that would help you in that situation, especially when you look at what you've written. But then I think of what you just said a little while ago about in your day, how it was serving volley. It was a, such an attacking game. Uh, was yeah. that the most important thing, or was it uh, you given the, the Ph.D. degree in physics? I mean, was, was physics, you know, is it as important today as it was in your day? Uh, you know, we, we've all come to realize how, uh, you know, mental resiliency, I don't like to call it mental toughness, uh, uh, not that I, I'm arguing with Dr. Lear or anything, God forbid, but I just, you know, I, I don't know how many of us are really mentally tough, but we're, you know, you just have to be resilient. Uh, if in today's degree is that is the physics part of it as important as it was in your day? Well, I, I did have a, an undergrad degree in physics, but that, that had nothing, uh, no impact on my tennis. Uh, what did have an impact or what did help my tennis was that I, I, the way I thought, in other words, I, I, I just, this is just me. Uh, I, I always want to know why I, I, mm-hmm. I, I always figure there's a reason for something, some physical or mental reason. And, and if you know what the reason is, if there's a problem, you can fix it. Okay, so I was always trying to figure out what the reason was. I mean, and here would be the example back in my day. Uh, I started out as a baseliner until I was about 18. I basically didn't come to the net very much, stayed back and was sort of a semi-counter puncher. I don't even know what it was I did that made me a pretty good junior. I wasn't a great junior. I think I was ranked seventh in the country my last year. Uh, so I wasn't winning uh, Kalamazoo. But, but uh, then at about 18 or 19, I realized I needed to be able to volley better. And I spent plenty of time up at the net uh, practicing my volley. And it didn't get that much better. And so I'm thinking to myself, 
and, and this is where the not the physics comes in, but the, the mentality of a person that's a physicist comes in, and 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 that is uh, I'm thinking why is my volley not getting better, and so I go back to number one principle is in practice you you you're, you're developing habits. I mean that's the the basic uh, purpose of practice is to develop a habit habits through repetition. In other words, the habit gets stronger the more you repeat it. And so, but you you have to repeat it uh, the way you want it to come out in the match. Because once you get into the match, you, you, you don't think your way through points anymore. You react and out comes the strongest habit. So, practices for developing habits that you want to use in the match. So now I'm not that good a volleyer and I'm trying to figure out what it is that I don't do that the very good volleyers do do. And so I'm, I'm watching them uh, and, and I'm noticing that they hit the volley on the move forward. Okay. They actually, they don't stop when they hit the volley. They're actually still, their momentum carries them another step or so forward. And so I realized that I'm practicing my volley sort of standing or taking one step. But, but that's really not how you actually hit it in a match. And so now I start to develop a drills that will teach me where I can practice closing in. As I hit the volley, I'm on the move forward. And so what I started to do, uh, I developed some you know, like drills for myself where I'd get behind the service line uh, and, and I'd move forward as I hit the volley. Uh, and, and every time that I saw the ball was not a lob, I would try to take as many steps forward as I could, get as close to the net as I could when I hit the volley. And, so, and then I would have my opponent, when, whenever he got me too close to the net or saw he could lob over my head, to, to lob me. So... I, I would then be learning to discriminate the lob from the ground stroke as early as possible. And as soon as I saw it wasn't a lob, I'd try to get two or three steps in on it to close quickly. And so uh, it was doing that that enabled me to become a serve volleyer and, and a good one. It actually took a couple of years, couple of years doing that drill. And, and, uh, I, I lacked athletic ability. Um, that that was my my weak point. Uh, was I was a medium athlete, but my good point was I could analyze what it was that I was not doing, or what it was that I needed, and I could develop a drill. I understood the concept of whatever you do in practice becomes a habit, and that's what's going to uh, come out in the match, and so. I, I, I would work to develop drills that, that would enable me to do what I wanted to do in the match. Uh, and, and, and I would say one of the, I guess, most useful uh, skills that I had was I had a long view on these things. Uh, like to, for me to develop a volley, which I needed, it took me a couple of years of work. I, I had to believe in my drill because I knew that's how the uh, that's how the big boys did it. You know, they they hit it moving forward, and so I had to get you know do it over and over again 
a million times until it became sort of natural to me. I mean, the great athletes, maybe, uh, they sort of instinctively do that. They don't, ha- they don't have to do the drill that I did. You know, McEnroe, he was a great closer at the net. And he didn't have to do some drill uh, to teach him to do it. His instinct was to do it, and, and he did it naturally. Uh, so, but uh, tennis is the kind of game where, uh, you know, some games are more mechanical than other games. Uh, and, and they're more repetitious than other games. Uh, example, like the number, you know, so you can be more mechanical. The, uh, one of the most mechanical games, I would say, would be something like bowling, where mm-hmm. if you were just a mechanical person and you, your arm would always do exactly the same thing all the time, you'd be a great bowler because there aren't that many variables, you know. If you can just repeat the action over and over, it's fine. Okay, so that, that's sort of the most mechanical game. One of the lesser mechanical games would be something like baseball, where parts of it are mechanical. The pitcher and, and maybe some of the batting. But, but uh, you know, to make the great catch or to do this or that, you've got to adjust. You can't practice the great catch over and over again, you know. There's a lot of things that come up in baseball that are complex, and you have to just, I don't know what, you have to be a good athlete to figure it out quickly. Uh, But tennis is kind of somewhere in between those two, where if you uh, drill over and over on each aspect of the game, uh, you can get pretty good at that. I mean, you, you still may not beat the great athlete, but you can get in there and you can make it quite competitive. Okay, they may have that little extra, which, of course, is why I didn't get any better than I got. I got as good as I could get based on my athletic ability. But if I got up against the, the great athlete, unless I got him on a bad day, you know, he's probably going to get me. Uh, so... And, I don't know what drove me off in this. This, We were talking about the physics, but uh, this was sort of my philosophy of uh, game development, was to figure out. And and you also have to sort of figure out what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. And and, uh, one of the other, uh, I would say, uh, difficulties of my my, uh, medium athletic ability was I, I was not really uh, excellent at returning big serves, okay? Uh, I just wasn't as good, a good enough athlete. But what I was very good at was returning second serves because I knew what the ball was going to do. You know, it's generally going to go to my backhand, and it was going to have topspin on it. And so once I got used to the bounce, you know, I was very, very – tough and consistent on second serves. First serves, not so much. You know, I, I, was, I was at Wimbledon one year, and I was watching uh, uh, Ken Rosewall play Charlie Passerell. And, and Charlie had a big serve. He had a big. beautiful action and a big serve. Uh, and, and I remember I was watching him play, and it was sort of late in the afternoon. 
and, and the court was getting a little uh, moist and slippery. And so it, it, it is one of the problems with grass is it's harder to return serve. I mean, balls take bad bounces and they, they skid and stuff. It's a difficult surface to return serve on. And, and I was watching, I think Charlie was serving for one of the sets. And, and, and he was hitting in these monster serves. And Rosewall was flicking them back like they were nothing. And I was thinking to myself, you know, he makes it look awfully easy. You know, I remember being out there against Charlie's big first serve. And, and it was all I could do to get it back. You know, I'm backing up and trying to guess which side it's going to and everything. And Rosewell was handling it like it was nothing. He, he could see it early. And so that's where the great athlete, you know, it comes out in things like that, where they can pick up the ball a bit earlier uh, than I could. On the other hand, I could get those guys sometimes, the great athletes, because they, they weren't always playing at their best, and I could keep a lot of pressure on them if they missed their first serve. So. Right. You kind of uh, have to accept what you what you can do and what you can't do, and you sort of have to make hay while the while the sun's up on things that you can do. Like a lot of people, they get discouraged because their opponent can do some things they can't do, and and that discourages them. But it, it doesn't really mean you're going to lose if you can't do some things your opponent can do. It just means that you have to do what you do, you know, better. You have to be quite good. You can make up a lot of yardage because the guy's going to miss half his first serves. And so now you've got a, 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 an even chance in the point. So anyway, have I beaten that to death? Maybe. Yeah, well, I think you, uh, you took me back to that it is the uh... – it is who you are. The, the books indicate who you are. I just was thinking, but you're having me. I, I believe reputation is so important, and that's what I worry about with our kids being out of school and everything uh, now during this time. And uh, you haven't uh, disclaimed repetition, but I see where you're coming from now, and that, uh, that's the important thing. I would just, my mind, I, I, I like to ask a lot of questions, too, and sometimes I don't like to, you know, I pigeonhole you into a spot. Matter of fact, today on Facebook, uh, it came up, and I shared a thing from five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, and it was about uh, you doing uh, commentary at the Grand, one of the Grand Slams. And uh, so I did share today, and I put in there, you know, missing the Grand Slams is going to be bad enough, but not uh, having your uh, analysis afterwards is going to really hurt because I think the way you, you know, you pick up those things during a game, and when you break it down, I guess it is the mental part of it. But uh, you just – you could pick up that when things change and what wasn't working and what was working. And uh, it was interesting. And uh, when I sat there and I, you, you got me thinking when you were saying you were serving volleyer in those days and everything and the game changing, I'm saying, well, maybe he's just not everything that he was writing. Maybe it isn't. If I'm the best player, why can't I win or think to win or 
but uh, there's more to it than that. But uh, I appreciate I'm sorry I distracted and got off uh, our topic, but I think it was a worthwhile discussion uh, for the people, and uh, I hope uh, they enjoyed it. I just want to bring up, and then I'm going to give you the last few uh, minutes, and I will be uh, back on the 16th, and we will have uh, Bobby Payless, uh, the ex-Notre Dame coach, and he'll talk about his uh, cross-court reflections book, which is a book I recommend, too. Um, uh, Very, uh, very good uh, book, Uh, but... uh, I will, like I said, instead of doing the twice-a-week broadcast, I will do a weekly broadcast from now to June if you have a topic you want to talk and you can defend it. And I hope I didn't scare away. I had more than usual people waiting before. You probably read my commentary. Uh, But I, I will do broadcasts. I just ask you to be respectful, get your opinion, get your evidence together to support your opinion, but, uh, you know, be receptive to having other people what their opinion is, too, and I think that's important. Coach, we have about five minutes left, and I'm going to uh, uh, leave it uh, to you to, uh, you know, what do you want to talk about, and uh uh, and for, I might even have to call on you before uh, we talk again in June, depending on what some of these people want to talk about. If they want to talk, maybe they don't want to talk. Who knows? I'll find out. Uh huh. All righty. Well, uh, we could uh, discuss for just a couple of minutes the concept of percentages in tennis, and uh-huh. and the, uh, this was. Uh, Another way I I made up for my lack of athletic ability was I did understand the game being a percentage issue, okay? And by by that, I mean, basically, you you don't win any – you don't win all the points. There's a great deal of variability from point to point, okay? And so – you know, you don't need to win all the points. You only need to win a little more than half of them. Okay. And in fact, in a six, four or seven, five set, the average difference in points between the winner and the loser is just four points. Okay. On the average. And it somewhat matters on the big points, but actually it's like, all the points, you, you go after every one of them uh, if you're playing percentages. Like Nadal does it the best. Uh, I mean, he goes after every point, no matter what the score is, equally. I mean, if it's 40 love on his opponent's serve, he still goes after every point, even though he will probably lose the game, okay? Uh, and, and that's where probabilities come in. yeah probably will, but he goes after every point, every once in a while, he's going to get a service break out of it. And, and so you, you, the, 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 the big players actually before me, guys like Jack Kramer, or uh, I, I remember reading something by Kramer uh, where he was talking about percentage tennis. <laughs> and 
I hate to agree with a genius like Jack Kramer because he was a tennis genius, but I, I really disagreed with, with his concept of percentages because what he, he, he was being coached by this engineer named Roach at the L.A. Tennis Club, and they came up with a strategy where, you know, you try to hold serve. You, hold, you put all your energy into holding your own serve, which, of course, Kramer was one of the big early serve volley guys you know, serve and volleyed all the time. You put, mm-hmm. you put all your energy into holding serve. And then on the other guy's serve, if the guy gets ahead of you, like 30 love or something, you, you don't put a lot of energy into that, okay? You save it uh, for when you have a, a, a better chance to break serve. You sort of save your energy and you use it all on your serve. And then when you get an opportunity to break serve, uh, you know, then, you know, if it's deuce or it's 15 all or 15, 30 on the other guy's serve, then you put all your energy into it. And, and to me, <laughs> that struck me as dead wrong. Okay. Now, <laughs> Kramer was a great, was a great player and a great athlete and it worked for him. Uh, but that sort of thing works if you have a great serve. And even then, it's not a good play, in my opinion. But you can get away with it. Uh, if, you, if your serve and volley are good enough where you can hold enough, uh, yeah. But, but for uh, ordinary people that, have, that aren't going to hold serve so easily, uh, I mean, the trick is to go after every point equally. Uh, and, 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 you know, somewhere along the line, if you keep the pressure on, you know, you, 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 you win games that, that ordinarily you wouldn't think you could win. So I think, uh, and the other concept that, that I had in mind was that there's only four points in a game that you need to win. I mean, assuming you don't go do sad and so forth. If you win four points, you win the game. So e- each point is essentially 25% of the game. Again, again, we're not talking about the do-sad situation, uh, but just, you know, so if you, if you give away a point, I mean, you, you're giving away 25% uh, uh, of the game, which, to me, that's a bad play. Okay? The only reason I would do it the way Kramer suggested was if I were in not in as good a condition as my opponent. If, if I can't last as well as my opponent, then maybe I've Alan, got it. You know, yeah. Alan, I don't know if you heard that or not, but we have one minute and they're going to cut us off. Okay, well then I'm going to shut up. Done. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, thank go. you for being thank you for being on and sharing your experiences again. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you haven't read his books, uh, God, what's wrong with you? Go out and uh, get them. And I will uh, talk to you again uh, on the 16th when we have Bobby Payless here. Uh, let's uh, stay positive, and uh, all this is going to pass, and we're going to be better people because of this. So God bless everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care, John. See ya.